Hi folks, my name is Eric Barnett and I'm a singer-songwriter based out of Charleston, South Carolina and you're listening to Songs of the Unsung. Songs of the Unsung is a podcast where I talk to fellow singer-songwriters about their influences, their process, and the songs they've written. We also host a monthly live original music showcase. The next showcase is January 23rd at Freehouse Brewery from 2 to 5 p.m. On the bill is Dan Riley, Chris Dodson, and Scotty Oliver. Freehouse is an organic brewery, taproom, and outdoor beer garden situated on the banks of the historic and natural Ashley River. We brew beer as we wish it to be, organic, local, and seasonal. With over 24 taps, including gluten-free options and house-made organic lemonade, we have something for all palates. Freehouse is open to everyone and welcomes all guests with a smile and a cold beer. Inquire about hosting your event or special occasion with us at info at freehousebeer.com. This week's guest is Chris Dodson. Chris is one of the busiest musicians here in Charleston, not only playing around town as a solo musician, but in various duos and trios, including Return of the Mac and Me and Mr. Jones. In addition to the many gigs around town, Chris is also a guitar instructor and a prolific recording artist, releasing two albums and many singles. If you like what you hear, be sure to come out to Freehouse on January 23rd to our second Songwriter Showcase. But for now, enjoy my conversation with Chris Dodson. Hey Chris, how you doing today? Hey Eric, thanks for having me, man. I'm great. How are you? I am good. Thanks for coming out. This is such a pleasure to be out here and thanks for working with my schedule. Thanks for working with my schedule and... uh, I appreciate you uh, being flexible. Yeah, no problem, man. I know you're one of the busier fellows here in Charleston, so I appreciate you taking the time to come over and talk about Absolutely. your music. I love your setup here. Beautiful. Uh, oh, I love thank all you. the guitars. <laughs> this is uh this is this is my kind of man cave. It's yeah, I'm very lucky to have a wife that agreed to let me take the largest bedroom in the house and fill it with instruments. Wow. It's you know as well as I do, being yeah. a musician, having a very patient wife is the is the way to go it's it's a rarity and a gift yeah man uh i got a wife like that too i have my own man cave of recording yeah. studio guitars everywhere amps more recording equipment like yeah. this yeah right on i love this. this is the sm7 or 7b 7b yeah. yeah this is this is the microphone to do a podcast with. yeah right now i just have one of them but this is sort of a shoestring thing at the time so i've actually i think this is the first time we've really formally met yeah uh, there's a couple times that I've been passing through downtown and like seen you play. I saw you play at the Grand Bohemian one time. Yeah. You were just out playing and I, you were busy doing your thing, so I didn't want to walk up and introduce myself. I always feel weird when people do that when I'm playing. But uh, yeah, man, you're playing all over the place, not only solo, but with many of the projects you're in. Yeah. Tell me a little about uh, some of the projects you're in. So I've got... A wedding band, which I'm playing with today. I've been trying to promote that for the past year, and it's just going to keep growing, I believe. Um, It's called Return of the Mac, and it's capital M, capital A, capital C. The M stands for Marky or Mookie. Yeah. The A stands for Elise, who's the female singer. And the C stands for me. 
right Chris. On. So uh, we do a lot of, uh, you know, we do everything. We do Motown, a lot of Top 40. We specialize in a lot of 90s music, which is why we're called Return of the Mac. Right on, And it man. just kind of fit, you know, serendipitous, very, you know, just worked out well that you know the drummer's name that the acronym worked out well with the, the three main works, members of man. the band yeah. it just just worked all well together so um and then i've got me and mr jones which is with miss miss elise marie rogers yeah. um that's a side project where it's just more or less it's a duo it can be a full band uh-huh. she more or less she runs that band i got you i'm the guitar player i'm mr jones and she rotates guitar players when i can't make it you know i was wondering because actually last night i played at the whiskey room over at henry's and you saw her last and I night s- i saw her downstairs calling right? yeah and i was like i think chris is in that so i like went down there i was like that's not chris no that's not me <laughs> but no. yeah yeah i think you i love calling but that's not me <laughs> you were playing somewhere else last night yeah you? i was doing uh i was at uncork solo oh, nice. gig um nice. I, I love that place it's really laid back uh great crowd i love the wine bar scene um yeah you know i, I I've been doing this since 2000, like professionally since 2006, uh-huh. and um, you know, and I did a lot of dive bars and college <laughs> bars, and I, I worked at the Post and Courier during the day when I was 23 through 29, and I would play gigs at night and then go to work the next day. Sometimes hungover, <laughs> sometimes not. You know, five six hours of sleep. But I was in my 20s then. Yeah. You know, now since the pandemic, uh, I've gotten the it's funny 2020 gave me the best gigs of my life Did it. and i'm just kind of not trying to play these late night gigs anymore yeah i th- actually last night was my first time ever at henry's and it was like till one yeah and my bedtime's like nine usually because I, I i don't i don't do music full-time i work a day job so i'm up at like 5 30 every morning oh my god yeah <laughs> well but, i mean it was a friday so it wasn't a school night I, I want people to know that I do not sleep in hardly. Okay, I, I have three dogs. I take them out every morning. Wow, they do their business. Um, I feed them, of course. Yeah, you know, I don't sleep in. I don't, you know, I'd love to sleep in, but yeah. you know, I get up, I write it in a journal, I, I plan out my day. Um, you know, I have the same thing for breakfast every morning. And I get my mind right, and uh, it's very rare that I get to sleep in. And when I do, it's so glorious. Yeah. But then I kind of feel guilty because I'm just like, <laughs> oh man, I got so much work to do. Why am I sleeping? But my body needs it sometimes. I'm sure you feel the same oh, way. Oh yeah, yeah. It's usually my body's trained to where you know I'm up at six, even on a even on a weekend at six or at seven, but. I don't know. Every now and then, I'm just so exhausted that my body's just like, "Hey, it's we're not getting out of bed yet." No, man. I, I'll tell you, you're you're playing with all the all the groups. You're playing all the solo gigs. Mm-hmm. You're playing private events, mm-hmm. weddings, mm-hmm. Uh, teaching, teaching, uh, doing. Man, you must be like a like a productivity kind of guy. Yeah, I like to stay active, Eric. Yeah. Um, I don't. I do have some leisure time. So, for example, in the summertime, I'll on Mondays, which is what I consider my Friday, my yeah. weekend. Yep. Uh, and a lot of musicians feel that way too. Yep. Um, yeah, I like to go out and get some vitamin D at the pool where yeah. I live. Uh, yep. It's a community pool. Um, yeah, I like to sit there, but I'm also listening to podcasts when I'm doing that. So I'm, my, I'm doing <laughs> something like I. Yeah. There, you know, I do sit around and look at my phone like this, you know. 
Right. And, right. you know, I, I kind of get involved with Facebook and, you know, I do have time to look at memes and, and mess around, but. I mean, I like I, I have I have goals. I have an agenda. I've got a I got a vision board. Oh, nice! You know, I um, I am inspired by a lot of people in Charleston. People, you know, there's certain people that that put a, that light of fire up my ass, basically. Yeah. You know, part yep. of my French, but I see people moving and shaking, and I'm like, I got to do that, but better. Yeah, no, I feel you. So yeah. when I'm not gigging, when I'm not teaching, when I'm not trying to be a really good husband and a stepfather and uh, to my dogs, when I'm not doing anything outside, you know, during the day, I spend about three to four hours in my studio producing, writing, working on jingles, commercial music, original music, uh-huh. being mentored in this group that I'm in um, to try and get sync publishing, licensing, okay. uh so I've got, I've got, you know, I'm, I don't tell too many people this, but I've got goals. I mean, other than I don't want to be a gigging musician the rest of my life. And there's yeah. absolutely nothing wrong with that. I mean, I'm always going to perform. Yeah. And I respect people like my drummer, Marky Morant. Shout out to Marky. Yeah. Uh, he's been working his ass off since he was a kid. And he, we had a long conversation about this. But, um you know, he's going to be working for the rest of his life. He said he has no plans to ever stop. His father was a famous trumpet player up in New York City and worked until pretty much his last years. And he was 81 wow. or 82 years old. So there really is no retirement in this kind of business. But Well, the beauty about music, too, is it's not like it's not like other professions where it takes on your body the way it would normally do except you know playing three hour gigs standing up every night gets old. look but, i mean yeah but it's something you can do well until your twilight years and since music is always a learning evolving thing for the individual i mean you owe it to yourself to do it as long as you can and see where it takes you you know yeah yeah i mean look i'm gonna be honest i mean music being a musician is not easy you gotta get up there <laughs> and singing for you know, two and a half hours yeah. with two breaks, which makes it three, and then setting up and breaking down. That's exhausting. It's yeah. exhausting. Um, I've had to have surgery on my vocal cords because I treated them so so bad in the past. Uh, well, I had a little small node that could have gotten worse, but uh-huh. I prevented it. So I went ahead and just got the surgery. I could have gotten rid of it with rest, but there was just no way of taking two months off. You know, I got you. Yeah, there's just no way. I can't. Yeah. I can't afford it. So I, I dropped twelve hundred dollars to get the surgery <laughs> with, with my, uh, with, uh, with my insurance yeah. that I'm paying for. And yeah, yeah. Music really doesn't come with its own built-in no. health insurance. No, and everything no. involved, man. Like, no. and what what a lot of people don't understand is you might only be scheduled to play for a three-hour block. But that doesn't include load in, load out time. That doesn't include dealing with Charleston traffic. That doesn't include all the time you spent learning those songs, practicing those songs. You had to buy all of that PA and all that stuff. And it's it's not something like, you know, it is. It, it's also one of the greatest jobs in the world. I think it is. It is. It's uh... when you when you have a good night of playing music, you walk away from it saying, "I really love." that I do this. But when you have a bad night of playing music, it can feel other ways. However, it's just really good it, to keep in mind. At the end of the day, it's, it's like, still a great job. It's, it's still, still playing music. Yeah. It's still better than <laughs> being at a desk like this all day sitting. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, hey, 
there's a lot of people out there that make a good living doing that so i respect that um i did it for a long time and i got fed up i got really depressed and anxious and you know was thinking things that i shouldn't be thinking and i was like you know what i'm gonna jump and i'm gonna i'm gonna I'm gonna. I think I've got the skills to be a full-time musician. I think I've got enough income where I can support myself and more. And I did it, and it was the best decision of my life. At least right top three. Right on. Let's uh, let's rewind just a little bit here and talk about kind of how this whole thing happened. Uh, you had a really good interview that I saw on YouTube, a Mufic interview. You were interviewed by Kevin Church. Yeah. And I'm not great guy, go- Kevin Church. Oh yeah, yeah. Check out Kevin Church. I always give him a shout out if, yeah. I, if I'm watching. Great songwriter. Yeah. Yep. Um, I'm not gonna try to replace that. Everybody should go watch that Mufic interview. I've got it in. You know, I'm gonna put a link to it in the show notes here. So I, I'll, I'll say watch that, then pick up where we left off here. Originally from Beaufort. Yep. Um, really quick. Started with violin, then through to French horn, then over to upright bass. Finally, guitar comes along. Yep. 1995 summer. Yeah. 13 years old, uh, sister brought it home from a friend. I immediately got it, fell in love with it. You know, I started to teach myself power chords. You yeah. know, that's the first thing I learned was like Nirvana, Green Day, Weezer. Well, 1995 was a great time to have an electric guitar. It really was, man. <laughs> I mean, but this guitar was a piece of shit, man. It was a gremlin. I mean, it literally was a gremlin. Yeah. That's what it was called. <laughs> <laughs> I See, though, it is also sort of nice to learn on a terrible guitar absolutely because if you can finally get to the point where you do what you want to do then somebody hands you a good guitar it's like you know baseball players warming up in the batting circle with the donut on they take the weight off the end of it and it just smooth sailing absolutely man uh you know i look at the guitars that i have now and what i started with and it's just man it's just it's been 25 years in the making that's what it's been that's i mean that's what it's all about. It nothing happens right away. No, there's, there's no such thing as an overnight success. Oh, I yeah, mean, yeah. it just takes years and years and years of practice to where you want to be. And where I'm where I'm at now in my life where I want to be, it's probably going to take another 20 years and I'm okay with that. Yeah, yeah, it's knowing like having a goal, you got to have a goal or yeah. you won't reach it. You yeah. know, you got to tell the world what you want or you can't expect to get it from it. So initially playing guitar, uh, I know you, you know, going from violin to upright bass, mm-hmm. you were used to stringed instruments, you were mm-hmm. fretting strings, at least when you were on the upright bass, those four strings were the yep. same. Yep. Um, so it was very easy to transition to guitar. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, the callus was already there. Uh, strings were obviously a lot thinner. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, anybody who wants to learn how to play guitar, electric guitar is the way to go first. Sure. It's the easiest way. Let me just say it's the easiest way. Now, if you want to learn on acoustic, that's great. Yep. Um, it'll be a lot easier to transition to electric guitar. But yeah, uh, I mean, I already knew how to read music. Okay. I was already, you know, I had some rhythm, understanding of rhythm. I had already had the callus, you know, I knew the strings. I just, I just had it in my hands. I just did a lot of practice. I was, you know, you got to be a mildly, at least mildly obsessed with, with the instrument to be yeah. good at something yeah or anything you know did you have any teachers uh let's see in the beginning i did not i taught myself okay. um and then i had a teacher in buford named craig washington the late craig washington no longer with us but fantastic guitar player learned a lot from him uh I took lessons from lee barber for four years james slater for three years 
here in Charleston to learn jazz, which I learned so much about jazz, but I'm not really a jazz player, but I know I understand it all though. Yeah, but that's, it's important. Like I, I always say like learn theory so you can learn when to ignore it. Yeah. But just having those basic building blocks of theory and I, I absolutely don't know all that I want to know or need to know. I actually went to, I went to music school for trumpet. I went to college for, as a trumpet major and it made me hate playing trumpet the way they tried well, to How do they it. teach you how to play? How do, what, what's the process of majoring in, as, in a brass instrument compared to the guitar? It's, I, I don't know like what guitar actually is in terms of what they have you do, but there's kind of two paths you can take on a brass instrument. There's, mm -hmm. there's jazz and there's classical. And I kind of defaulted more to a classical. I I'd, I'd never really knew much in terms of improvisation on trumpet. And then when you go to a classical, there's all kinds of different styles within the classical genre as well. You know, I had a, I had a trumpet teacher in high school that was Italian and their <laughs> trumpet, at least with brass instruments, the Italian method, as it were, has a very specific approach to like phrasing and, and vibrato and stuff like that. And then when I went to college, they were like, Hey, we don't, do that that we got to do this whole other thing and i was already loving guitar you know i have way more fun playing you get more girls playing guitar let's be yeah. honest with ourselves well i mean but, it's, a, <laughs> it's a chordal instrument i mean yeah. you can write songs with it you can be your own orchestra with it with the trumpet yeah. i mean I, I love you know i love the trumpet i love every instrument I'm, let's be honest i'm a f fanatic music person but yeah yeah guitar is just the coolest <laughs> it's the coolest instrument it really is yeah um so, initially had a few guitar teachers. Do you ever envy the generation that gets YouTube? Yeah, I mean, I didn't, <laughs> we didn't have that growing up. Um, yeah. You know, YouTube, I started using YouTube as a tool for music probably like 2006, 2007. Yeah. Um, when it was really, I think it came out in 2004 or five, but I didn't start using it, you know, to start learning, you know, doing, watching interviews and using backing backing tracks yeah. until about 2006 2007 no yeah and vm um you know with youtube and social media you get to see how many great musicians there are yeah. out there you know yeah. there's a nine-year-old korean girl who's could kick my ass a guitar you yeah. know well and that they i know i'm not going to do a whole generational thing where i say you know these guys have it easy or what have you because youtube can also be such a huge distraction yeah you know what i'm saying it's a, it's, it's, it's a huge distraction and it's you know it it's sobering. It can be sobering. Yeah, yeah. But it's also, man, I've learned so much from Rick Beato. I don't know oh, if you yeah. ever watch him. Yep. A lot of motiv motivational speakers, a lot of music theory. Learned a lot about the Beatles, you know, just from YouTube because they're my favorite band. I've learned so much. You know, you can hear isolated tracks oh, man. on YouTube, and it's just awesome. I'm such, I'm such a nerd about the Beatles just because... You know, even though I went to school for trumpet, I wanted a recording major. Yeah. And the school I went to didn't have one. They're like, well, maybe we'll let you write one. And we have recording classes. But I was, I'm, I would rather, I, you know, I know you see a lot of guitars and stuff here. But if I had my druthers, I'd, I'd love to be a producer. Like, and we'll, we'll get to talking about producing because I know that's something you're, yeah, you're super into. But what really opened my eyes to what you could do musically did come from the Beatles and come from the mm -hmm. way that, you know, it was it was four guys that basically started out as a 
pretty standard rock band that worked really, really hard. Yep. Got to the point where they found a person in George Martin that said, this is what this is what's available. I didn't know if you guys knew, but this is what you can do. And then they said, well, okay, let's put that into our songwriting. Yeah. And then just an, an eight-year evolution. A lot of people don't realize, A, everything you hear of the Beatles pretty much happened in Seven, eight years. eight years. And yep. then, B, they were under 30 when they broke up. Yeah. I mean, that's... They were 20, the oldest, Ringo and John were 28 when yeah. they broke up. Yeah. And, you know, it's funny. The Beatles are like, they're artists. They have artists, period. They have Mop Top, period. They're Sgt. Pepper, period. They're Psychedelic, yeah. period. And then their Hippie, period. And, and then it was back almost to their a roots. year. Yeah. It was almost every year. Like, mm-hmm. in the world they put just. Out three, four albums per year. Oh, yeah. yeah. They don't, the, nobody does that anymore. And the world turned on what they did. Yeah, you know they may say okay, uh, Pet Sounds influenced Sgt. Pepper or what have you, but well, uh, Pet Sounds was influenced by Rubber Soul. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it's so let's not get yeah, yeah. Anytime <laughs> the Beatles, any you know, and this is just me being a complete Beatles fan, but anytime somebody says Stones or Beatles, I'm like, that's obvious. It's it's Beatles. Yeah, Don't because they wrong. had a they had more of a they were had a broader spectrum of music. I mean, not, I love the Stones. I like, lo- I love the Stones, man. Oh, I did. I saw them like three weeks ago. They still got it, man. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> they. I mean, one thing that the Stones have over the Beatles is they've been together longer. They've been yeah. doing more. They could. They're a live band, you know. They. I mean, the they're Be- a rock. They're, they're a rock, rock band. band. Yeah, the Beatles yeah. were recording artists. Yes, they were. That's what they were. Maybe the first, like yeah. truly beginning to end, recording artists. Yeah, but. It's really hard to find a bad Beatles song, and I can find a lot of bad Rolling Stones songs. <laughs> yeah, they didn't. They didn't dilute their by longevity. They didn't dilute their catalog. <laughs> it's amazing that the way how they remembered all their songs. Because I have a problem remembering the songs that I write. And I have to use voice memo. Do you? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and that's a great that's a great tool. Like imagine back when everything was huge and reel to reel and that whole thing. Imagine all the melodies that escaped them that they couldn't even write. Yeah. I'd, that are out there in thin air now. I'll take like three of those if they just could give them to me. <laughs> the, wor- the worst Beatles song is probably better than any song that I've ever written. It's just, it's so sad. but So th- th- were th- they were an early influence, obviously. That yeah, they continues were, that, on through today. So, so, so to, be, to be honest with you, the, the Beatles was, was the first recollection of music I ever had. I saw Hard Day's Night yeah. in the late 80s on the Disney Channel. And then my mom recorded the Beatles cartoon that came out on the Disney Channel. Um, so eight days a week was like the first song I ever really that stuck in my head like that was yeah. the first melodic song um and then I was a really really big classical fan I was like obsessed with Mozart Bach okay. Beethoven Nat King Cole um Leonard Bernstein I mean I'm uh-huh. huge into classical I didn't really get into like rock rock music until about 1993 or two okay so when I was like 10 11 years old but you know um Guitar influenced music until about nineteen when I picked up the guitar in ninety five. Right on, right on, man. I'll have to. Sh- I'll show you when we're when we're done. I actually, the first time I ever really sat down and heard music, there were two Beatles forty fives that my grandma had. Yeah, and she would always play them for me. And the last time I went home, I was at my grandpa's house. She's passed away. And I found those 45s and I have them framed now. And it's like the first, I still have like my first experience to music, which 
to me is like a, such a special thing. Awesome, man. Awesome. Um, I think I, I think I read somewhere uh, you you list your current influences. You included like Stevie Wonder in there. Yep, I could tell. I can go down the list. Yeah. I mean, it's stuck for the pretty pretty long time. We got the Beatles, of course, Stevie Wonder, Prince, John Mayer, and Sting. Okay. So as far as pop music, those are my those. That's the Mount Rushmore of my influences for pop music. So it it slid into the direction of you know a lot of the time I people sort of look down their nose when something's a little too polished. There's quote rock, you know, man, there's nothing wrong with making something sound just as good as it can sound. You know what I mean? No, I mean, there's a difference between a great production and too over, like overproduct, overproduced music. Right. Right. Um, You know, there's a lot of the music today that's, that would be considered overproduced with the auto tune, but you know, that's the new sound. That's what it is. Yeah. Yeah. And you, you always got to remember when people look back on a certain era and they want to circle that and they say, well, that's the era. That's the, that was the pop music of the day. Mm-hmm. I mean, that was <laughs> people look at old country music and they say, well, those were the outlaws. No, they weren't. They were the, they were the pop musicians of their day <laughs> and of their place and of their time. I mean, look at the 1980s during that time. People were like, man, that's too much, you know, the synthesizer sound, that's just way too much. And now we look back at, holy shit, man, that's such great production back then. Oh, yeah, dude. Like, uh, for me, like, I'll go listen to, like, some Cars. Yeah, the Cars or, oh, like, man. old Madonna, like the Niles oh, Rogers yeah, stuff, you know? Yeah. Um, just the way it was produced, the guitar work, the the, the funk, the, the synthesizers, I mean, the Duran Duran, all that stuff was... Oh, tight as can be, man. And that was before they were like being able to slide stuff around on a grid in Pro Tools. Yeah, you know what I, I mean. I, I I can't even fathom how they did that <laughs> back then because now it's just you could just load up so many oh, tracks yeah. and plugins and they used to be able to like sync things on tape, and that the idea <laughs> the idea that people could do they could sync something on analog tape is just it just blows my mind man <laughs> it, uh, I, that would, I just can't even fathom how the hell they would do that man but th- that's kudos to them you know so uh wh- when did you move to charleston i moved to charleston uh officially in 2004 so okay. i moved down here in the summer of 2003 for the summer for uh during college uh-huh. uh and then i got really well acquainted with the area and then came back in 2004 and pretty much stayed the whole time yeah i haven't left um from 2004 to 2013 i had a a day job corporate job yeah but i was also playing at night okay and then on august 13th 2013 is the day i said you know what i'm not playing wow i mean i'm not working anymore nine to five never i'm never gonna fill out another W two, I'm done. That's awesome. I'm done. And W nines here on out. Yeah, W nine. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Um. And it's been. It'll be nine years this wow. coming year. And uh, it was the best. I've never made any more. I've have. I've made so much money. I've, I've never been happier. I mean, there's been days and weeks where I've been completely stressed out and thinking, what the hell am I doing with my life? I imagine like right initially at the beginning of that pandemic, you were just like, okay, this might be be tough. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. So yeah. Okay. So the, so St. Patrick's day was the day that everything was the last day the bars 
uh, were open, right? And they closed yeah. down the very next day. Mm-hmm. So I was thinking, all right, well, I can teach virtually for right now. I've got, yeah. I'm going to use that stimulus money. Yep. Uh, my wife's got a job. We can survive. Let's see how long this lasts, you know? And yeah. then all of April, nothing happened. I mean, I mean, there was no gigs, but I would say the first week of April, I had this crazy idea to start doing neighborhood parties yeah. uh, and singing telegrams. Uh-huh. And it just kind of, I kind of posted it on social media. I've got to post somewhere on Instagram. I saved it. And it just blew up, man. I, I was able to pay my rent, pay my bills with it. And then when the bars opened up that third week of May and everything started opening up, um, I just started getting busy again. About by July of 2020, things were just almost back to normal. In fact, I had better gigs than I'd ever, ever had in my life. I had nothing but restaurant. People were just wanting to get out and yeah. have fun and do something right. you know everybody was just kind of cabin feverish cooped up for so yeah, yeah. Cooped up. i've noticed i've noticed everybody who's made it through this pandemic still going and that includes businesses they've figured out how to reinvent their game i mean you, you had musicians live streaming for the first time yeah. i did i did like a weekly live stream mm-hmm. you had looking at other types of revenue you know that's look like you said looking at the telegrams looking you're even looking at sync licensing and stuff wonderful part about a sync licensing or when you have stuff out there streaming is yeah that just generates money it just yeah. sits there and sends you a little bit every now and let then. me give some advice to musicians out there yeah find a way to get residual income yeah find a way don't rely on gigs because look what happened last year i mean we were i mean i'm not gonna lie man for a couple weeks there i was kind of enjoying not having to do anything (laughs) okay yeah waking up watching netflix i mean the tiger king was like the big thing right yeah catching up on old episodes of whatever but you know that gets old after a while you i I need to be stimulated man well i saw you were really you really started releasing like a lot of singles yeah, in that I was really Okay, well. so I released eight singles yeah. in 2020. I was going to do an album, but you know, it just made more sense uh, finance-wise, but money-wise. But uh, I just released eight singles. Um, and I, I look back at 2020 as a very unique time in my life. I learned a lot about myself. Yeah. My marriage got stronger. Uh, my... My my craft, my just everything just got better. Um, yeah. A lot of times you need forced to yeah. do something like that. You're like you, if everything is going well on what you're doing, you're not really going to reinvent yourself. You you got to get backed into a corner and yeah. say it's it's do this or it's do this to survive. Which in a way, the people that have that have evolved have come out better for the. Well, I mean, you know, there are pe- there's you know, it's the people that survived the pandemic are the ones that really did something during that time they know a lot of musicians that just sat back and said i'm not you know i'm a musician you know i'm i'm gonna that's all i'm gonna do but you know they didn't they didn't branch out they didn't change with the times and some of them are not working anymore (laughs) yeah let's talk about the uh let's talk about your recordings okay Uh, anybody can go on any of the streaming platforms and and check out you have two albums and is it eight singles in total, or was that just eight during 2020? Okay, so I've got eight songs from my first album, yep. eight from 2020, yep. and then eight from my new album, which was released earlier this year. Yep, produced by Mr. Kevin Church. Oh yeah, we uh, yeah uh, we got into my studio. Just to, it was mainly just the two of us. Uh huh. Um, excuse me. 
it was mainly just the two of us except i brought in some you know it was all real instruments yeah. I, I did all the harmonies yeah i wanted to make it as natural as possible because right. my first album or actually all the stuff that i did in 2020 was very overproduced a lot of a lot of midi a lot oh, of you synth. were having fun though i mean i was I could, having so much fun i can tell just by uh just by number one all the people you were having collaborate with you yeah all the different styles that you were saying i'm gonna try and the wonderful part about a single is you can put on a different hat for one song and then pivot you know yeah. what i mean so i could tell you were having a lot of fun because you're like i'm gonna try this now and you know the the wonderful thing about music and the internet and spotify and you don't and not being held by a record label telling you what to do is you can do whatever you want to do absolutely yeah the first record sincerely yes um recorded in a studio yeah it was recorded in uh brian jarvis's house who's okay. in midnight city uh -huh. um that was back downtown when he lived downtown lee barber produced it that was a lot of fun man it was scary because i'd never really done any kind of recording in my life really? so i learned a lot about myself you know being in that vocal booth was nerve-wracking <laughs> it was hell man i yeah. hated it now recording guitars I can do that all day long. Well, man, that's your wheelhouse. Yeah, it's my yeah. wheelhouse. But recording vocals, I mean, I'm going to be honest, man. I'm not that great of a singer. I mean, there's so many better singers out there. <laughs> but, man, I had a lot of fun doing it. I had it, It's probably my best sounding album because I had so many people working on it. And, um, but, you know, my newer album, I, I was more comfortable. I had, yeah. you know, me and Kevin were like tight, man. We were just working with somebody that I, I completely trusted, you know, and he... He was a great producer he told me you know what sucked and what didn't um he helped me with my lyrics he helped me with some arranging some tunes nice and i'm very proud of every song that i've released i mean i'm not going to release something that i think is mediocre everything that i've released is because i think it's i think it's great awesome uh, who the that first record who are some of the people that played on that so we have uh we got Beatman, uh uh shelton that's uh -huh. shore on drums uh, we had Tristan Simmons on bass. Of course, Lee did some bass work. Lee did a lot of guitar work on there. I did a lot of guitar work. Uh -huh. um, Manny Houston on some background vocals. Zendrina Dunning on some background vocals. Emily Curtis on she did three back background vocals. <laughs> I can't even talk right now. Yeah, it's it's early. Yeah, it's early. Uh, <laughs> let's see. Let's see. Well, who else? Um, God, I just um, I always lament like the the one thing about digital that I don't love is I'm a liner notes guy being like into producers and into seeing who plays on yeah. what I miss the liner notes. I, know, I too, wish man. like, you know, I love having music in my pocket and that's what I listen to 99.9% .9 of music on, but I miss having all that because I wouldn't have to ask you. I'd, I'd be looking at that stuff already. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. I have to go to Wikipedia now to sure. look at anything like who did what on what. And sometimes it's not even there. And yeah. I want to know who played guitar on this part. You right, know? yeah. But yeah. sometimes you hear something, and then you look at those liner notes, and you're like, oh, yeah, that does sound like such and such. And it, it makes it all make sense, yeah. you know? Any uh, any standout songs for you off the first record? Yeah, um, there's four, actually. Honest yep. Love, which is the first track. Yep. Um, I wrote that melody back in 2005. I had different lyrics for it, and then I rewrote it in about... 10 years later basically <laughs> yeah uh let's see she calls home which is the second track which is actually the song i'm going to play today for you guys yep. because the reason being is because on monday i'll be in, i'm leaving for arkansas uh tomorrow morning uh -huh. i'm flying but that's where my wife's from yeah 
and I'm filming a music video for the song. Oh, nice. In Arkansas, because nice. that's what the song is about. It's about my wife coming back to Arkansas after a long period of not being there. And uh, let's see. And then we've got Live Your Way, which yep. is a nice gospel-y kind of uh, song about just uh, motivating yourself to be better. Yeah. And then Never Fall Asleep, which is a very 80s sounding tune. I wanted to write a song or have a song on my album that sounded like the year that I was born, which is 1982. Okay. So it sounds very 1980s, early 1980s. And uh, Emily Curtis sings back up on that. And Lee Barber did such a great job producing that song. I'm so proud of it because it doesn't sound like anything I've ever done. Nice. It's a standalone song. And man, just hearing it through headphones gives me goosebumps every time I hear it. Nice. Well, while we're talking about it, why don't you go ahead and play She Calls Home? Okay. All right, Eric, thanks for having me. Pack your bags, it's time to go. You and me, let's hit the road. Arkansas, where she belongs. Green hills and mountain skies Home cooking Christmas lights Subtle snow She is home It's been too long to see these memories Open skies Don't apologize For last time Grime moaning behind a home Horses roaming all alone Stay in the middle of me unknown natural state she calls home a big old dog in your lap marry dinner heavy nap Arkansas so withdrawn beers very heavy strings a mountain climbing spinning me Arkansas so withdrawn it's been too long to see these memories open skies don't apologize for last time a fire burning behind a home horses roaming all alone stayed a little of me unknown a natural state Behind a home, horses roaming all alone, staying in the middle of the unknown. A natural state she calls home. She calls home. She calls home. She calls home. Fire burning behind a home, horses roaming all alone, stayed in the middle of the unknown, a natural state she calls home. 
very nice, man. I like that. That's the one you played at the on the Mufic video as well. Yeah. Yeah, I like that. Well, thank you. Looking forward to the music video on that. Me too, man. I can't wait to see what it's going to be about. So, uh, so that first record, is it something where you go back? And of course, you're going to go back and say, I wish I would have done this better. I could have done this differently. But is it still something you can say like, yeah, that's still me. That represents yeah, me. Absolutely. I mean, I, look, records are, they're like time capsules. I mean, that's yeah. what you sounded like that year. That's what you were feeling like. That's where you were in your part in your life. You know, I think yeah. I'm going to make more songs. Actually, I don't know. I think I might do one more record. Yeah. But I think I'm just getting better and better at recording myself. Yeah. Um, I think that if I went into a recording studio with somebody else or a new producer, I'd definitely feel more comfortable. It would probably take me three takes to get to what I need to instead of like 20. <laughs> <laughs> well, the the... There's to me. There's a, a good and a bad to going in studios. Number one is the one of the bad is you're on the clock, and if you don't deliver within the time you have, you are either stuck with something inferior, mm -hmm. or you pay more money to to get <clears throat> another whack. Yeah. the The flip side of that is when you have unlimited time and unlimited takes, and we're not paying for analog tape. It's just megabytes. Mm -hmm. That you can also be caught in a loop of endless choices and endless choices can be paralyzing in a way especially the way that musicians tend to obsess over d details on things yeah. yeah i mean yeah i mean that first album i didn't do any harmonies or overdubs it's just straight my voice yeah and then i brought people in to do harmonies for me because i just couldn't do it at the time yeah. i had just taught myself over time um, now I can pretty much almost do any harmony I hear. I can't do it in real time. I have to listen to it first and okay. then record it. Uh, like my drummer, man, he could do harmony on the spot. Really? Just like, yeah. oh man, he's like the best. Just um, knows where it goes. Of course, man. That's he's, he can ride that wave, people. man, and just hit those notes. Yeah. I wish I had that that talent. Um, it's, it's a craft you learn, man. It's just like anything else. You just got to practice. But um, I... I can't remember where I, was, where I was going with this. I was going to say something, and I can't remember. Um, You'll think of it. I'll think of it. <laughs> Second record, Truthfully. Yeah. So, Kevin Church produced. Yeah. Uh, did did you record a lot of it at your place? or Everything was recorded in my place. Everything at Everything. Place. We started in January of 2021. We had talked about in late 2020, hey, Kevin, I want to do this folk record. I want to do yeah. nothing but real instruments. Yeah. Um, I want it to sound raw, folky. Yeah. yeah. I want it to be completely different than anything I've done before. And I want it to sound like people in a room playing. Yeah, I want it to sound like yeah. 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 So we brought in my drummer Marky to do all the drums. Yeah. Uh, Brett Bellinger on bass, upright bass. It's all acoustic instruments. Uh -huh. Nothing. I mean, there's a couple songs with the electric guitar on there. Sure. Um, but a lot of acoustic. Uh, like I said, harmonies done by me. Um, very, just raw sounding a lot strings there's real strings on there i was well, gonna ask I, I yeah those I, are real strings yeah very nice who played those uh michael williams played the violin uh-huh and then karen egan played the viola and we have caitlin Tar tarber on the cello very nice yeah yeah sounds great man thank you like any uh what songs stand out to you on that record man um so the last song on that record which i wrote about uh, basically the pandemic and my stepson, you know, just getting away from life and just hitting the road, traveling together, which is one of my favorite things to do is be in the car with him and just getting out of there. It's called lead the way, you know, just about 
traveling the country together, you know, getting away from real life. That's one of my favorite songs I've ever written. A lot of people seem to like that one. Nice. Uh, let's see. In the Daylight, that's one of my favorite songs on that album because it talks about life, like truth life. I mean, at the time when I'd recorded the album and before that, I basically never saw my wife during the during the day, just at night. Yeah, I, I enjoyed home. that one, actually. I, I kind of I figured out what that one was about. Yeah. Yeah. Just so busy. So busy on the grind. You're yeah. Your ships passing in the night. Yeah. Uh, there's a song called John John Kirkpatrick, which is about yeah. my father-in-law. Okay. Um, he's a woodsman. He was a truck. He's a woodworker. Uh-huh. And, uh huh. And he really enjoyed that. We made a video for that um, at the uh, Freehouse place. Yeah. Excellent. At Freehouse Brewery. And uh, let's see. Those are the standout songs. Okay. I mean, there's a lot of every. I love every song that I've I've put on that album. So, Good. Um, Good. I, I talk to people sometimes who are like, I'm going to go take everything I did and try to stricken it from the face of the world. And I was like, well, it's it's a snapshot of where you were at the time. I mean, it'd be what it be. <laughs> I mean, I just think of, you know, you got to really love your songs if you're going to put yeah. them out there because they're going to be out there forever. Sure. So make sure that you really, really <laughs> love the songs before yeah. you release them because... You're going to look back and be like, oh, man, why the hell did I write that song? You know, why did I release that? I mean, even, you know, even famous people have that. You know, John Lennon had a lot of songs that he considered throwaways, and yeah. I consider them masterpieces. I feel like, too, there there's a bit of a uh, – people feel pressure these days to be very prolific because of how immediate the Internet is and social media is and – there are people that feel like if I'm not putting out a record or a new song or a new video or a new thing, yeah. I'm going to be forgotten about. Or you also see everybody else and they're doing all the things and you're like, I got to do a thing. And ultimately you don't. Uh, it, people people aren't going to hold things against you if you take yeah. a little bit longer just making your thing perfect. Yeah. You know? I mean, people do have short attention spans these yeah. days, but you know, take your time with your music. Don't rush it out. But then again, you know, if you, if you think it's ready, if you think it's complete and it sounds good, get it out there. Oh, yeah, yeah. But, I mean, ultimately, people should work at their own pace yeah. and not have that influenced by other people. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah, if yeah. I, man, if I was trying to pace everything I'm doing off of what you're doing, I would be pretty down in the dumps because, I mean, you're just busy, man. And, and you also have a very strong social media presence. Like your your Instagram and Facebook and YouTube game is pretty top notch. Well, I learned that from a lot of these mentors, a lot of these people, that, these motivational speakers. Like, hey, social media is the television of the 2020s, you yeah. know, or the 2010s. You know, it's 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 the internet of the 20. You know, because you know the internet boom in the 90s. Well, yeah. this is it, man. Oh yeah. Work with the times. You know, I've got some friends that have some massive followers. I mean, they've got like 9,000 followers. I've only got 2,100 followers on Instagram. So it's not that I'm, you know, I'm just, I just do, I just put out the content and if people want to react to it, great. If not, I move on. Well, it's, it's been effective. I'll tell you, man, you're killing it. In I appreciate terms of that. that. Thank you. When it comes to, uh, when it comes to actually writing songs, like, we didn't talk much about your singles. We did a little bit earlier. Mm -hmm. Eight singles, very different stylistically one to the next. A lot of different collaborations with other local musicians. Mm -hmm. 
give them all a listen. It's fantastic, man. You really run the gamut on everything. And from a production standpoint, you're you're really up in your game. I think even if you do things in other styles, it's all learning. The, yeah. the best part about production is like, you know, you can sit there and go, man, I finally got that kick to sound like I yeah. wanted that kick to sound. You know, it's <laughs> people ask me like that I work with that I write songs with. Like, for example, Irene Rose, who's yeah. a beautiful human being. She's writes some of the best melodies I have ever heard in my life. Uh, she's like, how do I, how did you learn how to do all this? Like, you know, like I'm, I, she's got logic on her computer now. Yeah. She's like, she's trying to learn herself. Like you just got to sit there and do it every day. Yeah. You learn something new with the program every day. You don't, you know, you can take a class, you can go on YouTube, you can read a book. That's great. Perfect. You can do that. But to really learn how to do it, you just got to sit there and do it every day. It's like learning a language. You got to speak it every day. You it gotta, is. You it's gotta, nice to have. Uh, it's nice to have like YouTube and forums, though. Yeah. Also, because a lot of time you'll be like, "I want to hear a thing. How? What? How can I hear this thing?" And YouTube will tell you. It'll say like, if you listen to your what you're doing, and you say, "Well, I I want to hear this. How do I achieve that?" Mm -hmm. It's great these days. I mean, it's a producer's. It's a it's a home recordist's world we live in these yep. days there's no excuse every musician should have some sort of recording device some sort of daw in their house um i mean you should be putting out original music i mean whether it's guitar instrumentals or just little pieces of music composing doesn't matter do something creative yeah don't get stuck on a hamster wheel playing these gigs every single <laughs> week man and then you got to do something creative um you know, whether it's a hobby or not, just go out and make music. Um, you know, I when I first became a, a full-time musician, I just wanted to play gigs, really. Yeah. I just wanted to pay the bills, play gigs, have fun. Well, they fun. generate instant money. Yeah, they generate instant money. Then you kind of like, okay, I've, I'm doing this. I'm, I'm setting my goals. I want to do something more. I, I, I need to feed my soul a little more. I'm, I want more. And that's where the music came in. And that's where, I'm sorry, that's where the original music came in. It was time to do it, and then I was like, "All right, now I'm gonna get a, a Logic Pro. I'm gonna get a Mac. I'm mm -hmm. gonna I'm gonna set up a studio. And now I've got all these awesome plugins, all these <laughs> all this hardware, all yeah. these these Neves, these Neumann microphones. I've got all these. I just got everything I need. I just it's it's such a it's such a joy to have all this musical equipment around. It can be a slippery slope of gear acquisition. Oh God, just man. because ultimately like. The Beatles did it on two tracks. <laughs> Eventually, they did it on four tracks. And at most, they did it on eight tracks. Yeah. So, I mean, ultimately, you got to have a good song. No amount of tweaking or quantizing or pitch correcting or nothing's going to save a bad song. I don't know. You can record a really good song on bad equipment, but you, it's really <laughs> tough to take a bad song and on really good equipment and make it sound good. Yeah. Absolutely. When it comes to your own songwriting, mm -hmm. um, is it all just trying to catch it as it goes by, or do you? You say you sit for a few hours every day. Is do you sit specifically to songwrite? Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's it's more of like producing. It's a, it's a whole thing. Yeah. Like it's songwriting, producing. It's four hours of just sitting there trying to come up with melodies and beats and learning yeah. logic. Um, Sometimes I'll already have a melody or a guitar riff and I work around that. Uh -huh. um, sometimes I'll pull up an old project and see what I can do with that. 
Um, let's see. The current song that I'm working on right now um, is got all real instruments, real drums. Uh-huh. Um, it's got... Uh, so basically, I had somebody in Los Angeles record somebody playing drums just like i was like here's the tempo here's how long i want it to be here's the structure uh-huh. or, or just do do use a lot of toms here use a, you know just the hi-hat here and i put it all together and created a song uh-huh. then i put picked up the bass and started coming with a cool bass line and then i put turned on my twin reverb got the delay uh-huh. hit some guitar chords and then i had this melody and it just kind of built like that Okay. Uh, but sometimes they don't they don't all come out like that. Sometimes I already have a I I'll tell you what, the best way to write a song is have the chorus first. Yeah. That is the that is the <laughs> that is the icing on the cake right there. That's the best way to write a song. Is if you have the chorus first, it's so much easier because you can write around that. Yeah. Oh man, it's well, everybody so everybody talks about a hook and, and what have you and yeah. it's yeah. yeah, every song that I write has got to have some sort of structure to it. Yeah. A hook. It's got to have a nice melody, a, a beginning, middle, and an end. Now, for me, lyrics, that's that's just that's the, my weakness right there. That's just what I need to work on. Yeah. That's yeah. what I need. I, I'm not a very good lyricist, but I'm working to become one. I just work at it every day. Just keep writing and writing and writing. I know my my problem with lyrics, and, and I'm, such, I'm a super slow songwriter, and it's because I call it the goalie. Yeah not much gets past the goalie man I'll, I'll put a line out and i know i know that line should just be a placeholder yeah but instead of letting that thing be a placeholder and just moving on i'm like not nah, no good throw it out start over and that's no way to get things done <laughs> do you uh oh, man how, how, do, how do you deal with your goalie or your editor as it were well uh i take i've, I've got a songwriting coach right now i'm about yeah. to take another songwriting i'm trying to take lessons again for lyrics for uh-huh. songwriting um you know i go to school for it now you know on wow. zoom online um i get chewed out almost every week for, for the lyrics i write you know this is what you should be writing about i mean it's about it's 80 percent there okay yeah, yeah. Um, there's a little part of it that still needs a lot of work um but yeah i mean everybody that reads my lyrics has something to say like this is what you should do this is what you should say yeah you know we're change this here and there and then i've got some people that kind of ghostwrite for me not ghostwrite but they just kind of edit here sure. you should, yeah yeah but um sometimes it sometimes it kind of helps having somebody in mind that you're looking to impress yeah because that's going to like up your game and it's going to kind of force your hand and it's yeah if you're, i've got a i've got a filter system yeah, yeah. where it's, i give it to four people and they yeah. read it so i've got somebody really good friend of mine blue collar worker you know Average Joe kind of guy. Uh-huh. Then I've got a computer nerd kind of guy that looks at it. Then I've got Irene to look at it, who I, who's the ultimate person that looks at it. Sure. And then my buddy Vince, um, who will give it to me straight up to tell me if it sucks or not. So you got to have it, man. Brutal honesty. As long as somebody is grown up enough to accept it, it matters. Yeah. You know. Have a filtration system, guys. Yeah. If you want to hear, if you want to get a good song. <laughs> Have about four or five people listen to it. Also, have a vision board for your goals. Look yeah. at it every day. Okay. Every day. Yeah. Because it'll get stuck in your mind. You'll want to do it. When Otherwise, you, you'll get very complacent. You'll get lazy, man. I've noticed, I've noticed, especially listening to your records and your singles, you write a lot of what you write, I would just say, is nonfiction. A lot of it's about you. Yeah. A lot of it's about your life. 
Now, do you have trouble writing about something that's not about you? Uh, yeah, it's t- it's difficult. Yeah. Like, it's hard for me to write about something that's not personal or something. You know, I can't write about you know, you know, I like for example, I could never write like what Paul McCartney does. You know, writes about you know meter maids or <laughs> or a Maxwell silver hammer. Sure, you know, sure. I, it's hard for me to write about something that I can't connect to. However, I need to learn how to do that. I, in a, yes, but with like the point to where you're not reaching for buzzwords. Yeah. Like my, what I always find myself bumping up against is I play more of like in a folk Americana sort of thing. Mm-hmm. And there is a definite buzzword list in Americana. I mean, you sing about going down to railroad tracks and you mm-hmm. sing about whippoorwills and yeah, stuff like that. Yeah, there's a style to it. And, and I, but I found I don't want to do that. Like I, I, I wouldn't sing about going down to a railroad track if I haven't, you know, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe that's my own thing I need to get over, but. <laughs> well, I live in Park Circle and I hear trains every day so yeah. I can relate to, you know, <laughs> I can relate to those, you know, here is Americana records. Um, yeah, I got to get to a point where I can write about anything. I mean, there's going to be some sort of, it's going to be a little autobiographical. Yeah. And in anything I write. There's got to be a shred of something you at least connect with. In there. Yeah. 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 Um, I don't know. Like, I'm trying to think if there's anything that I've written that that's not. No, I don't think there is. <laughs> <laughs> when you start writing a song, is there ever a point where you're like, okay, on this one, I am channeling such and such? Absolutely. Yeah. So let's see. Um, gosh. John Prine, I was channeling, oh. uh, channeling, channeling John Prine with my song John Patrick. Yeah, um, I can see that. Yeah, uh, let's see. Um, gosh, I don't know. I mean, I'm always channeling somebody. Whether it's oh, John Mayer is a big influence yeah. on my newest album. So he did an album called Born and Raised. I really wanted to write something very similar to that. If you listen to Born and Raised, it's a very Americana folky album. Uh huh. Um, channeling Bob Dylan a lot, John Lennon, Paul McCartney. I mean, anybody I'm influenced by. Um, <clears throat> I was channeling this song that I have called My Best. It's got a lot of horns and organ. I was channeling a lot of Stevie Wonder, uh-huh. a lot of gospel-y kind of influenced players. Um, a lot of, you know, Ed Sheeran, um, even some sort of pop song that I hear, like Call Me Maybe, I can I can definitely influenced by that. Sure. You know, it's very hooky, very pop, very just Do you ever gummy. start with the influence? Do you ever say, you ever hear a song and you go, I should try something like that? Yeah. Yeah? Yeah, yeah. Awesome. I mean, I always, I, the way I start with songs is I want it to have a great melody. I want it to be hooky. That's, that's what I start yeah. with. Yeah. Whether it's a piece of music or the melody, it's got to be hooky. It's got to be memorable. So awesome. that's my that's my the way of writing. Are there any songs out there that you consider to be just the pinnacle of songs? Yeah, of songwriting or recording or yeah. There's two songs that I yeah. think are the perfect songs. Okay, yep. I think there's nothing wrong with. Actually, there's three now. Yeah, and two of them are by the same artist. Okay, so. There's two songs by Adele that I think are the perfect songs. Someone Like You and Easy On Me. I think those two songs, there's no, there's nothing wrong. Like, like it's so well written, the yeah. melody, the lyrics, the production. And strangely enough, a song by Jewel called You Were Meant For Me. Those oh, lyrics yeah. are so 
freaking brilliant yeah. <laughs> and the melody i mean i just get goosebumps every time i mean those three songs you would never suspect that i would think those were the perfect songs but i think those are the perfect songs that's awesome man one of the first one of my first concerts i saw i actually saw jewel yeah and then uh steve poltz opened for her, and steve poltz wrote a lot of songs with her and he actually co-wrote you were meant for me really and seeing that steve poltz opened and jewel had the band and it was a big deal and everything but he opened and he was by himself with a guitar and that was actually the first time that i saw somebody by themselves with an acoustic guitar and go oh wow you can do that yeah because it was at an amphitheater it was a you know fifteen thousand people were there wow and here's a guy with an acoustic guitar yeah a little tipsy Telling stories about how he wrote songs. And I didn't know you could tell a story about how you wrote 15, a song. 15,000 people? Yeah. Wow. And they were into it. So, yeah, that's funny you should say that. Because, yeah. I saw John Mayer in 2002 uh -huh. at the Music Farm. Just him and an acoustic guitar. That was crazy. Yeah. And then I saw Ed Sheeran with just an acoustic guitar open up for Taylor Swift back in 2013 at in Columbia yeah. in a stadium. So... <laughs> you know, being able, I it's often been said that some of the best songs can be sat down and played on an acoustic guitar. Yep. And I don't get me wrong, I love kitchen sink production. Mm -hmm. I love it. I love it when you can hear all the things and put on headphones and hear more things. I also love when an, a, a guitar can drive an entire song. And I really love songs that can do both. Yeah. Well, if you listen to those three songs that I mentioned that I think yeah. are perfect, you know, the, the, Two of them are very minimally produced, and then yeah. one of them's kind of not really produced at all. I mean, there's, you know, drums and bass, and but those two Adele songs are mainly just vocal and piano. Yeah. So it's just very stripped down. Um, but yeah, I'm gonna get to a point where I'm gonna do nothing but acoustic. I mean, I have an idea to do acoustic, vocal, and string quartet music. Oh, nice. That's. I mean, I'm really. I'm gonna yeah. drop five hundred bucks sometime next year, and get the. Uh, the Spitfire string quartet plug-in because it sounds so real. Uh, yeah, yeah. I'm tired of hiring these people that, you know, I got to work around their schedule. They got to work around my schedule. Yeah. I'm just going to do it, man. I'm just going to buy it, drop the 500 bucks, you know, save the time and money from hiring somebody. I mean, I love hiring real musicians, but yeah. man, time is, a, time is of the essence, man. Time is a factor. I gotcha. If I had to put you on the spot and say, name five songwriters that you're, are your favorite. It can be four, it can be six. But I mean, just... Okay, well, let's go with Lennon McCartney. Yep. Uh, Max Martin. Yep. Uh, let's see. Uh, John Mayer. Yep. Um, Ryan Tedder, great songwriter from One Republic. Yep. Charlie Puth, great songwriter of pop music. Um, we got uh, Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis. You know, you know who those are? Yeah. yeah. From the 80s, uh -huh. 90s music. Those guys uh -huh. are great. Um Holland Doiser Holland, the Motown writers. Yeah. They wrote all the Motown, pretty much not all the Motown hits, but a lot of the Motown hits. Um, and uh, oof, Stevie Wonder. Oh, yeah. Now, oh, yeah. all these songwriters are all pretty much also artists, too, but sure. not all of them. Sure. Uh, if we're going for like strictly just songwriter, songwriter, I mean, I don't know. Max Martin. <laughs> yeah. Holland, Doiser Holland. But um, there you have it. Those Excellent, man. Excellent. So uh, you say you're going to fly out tomorrow and do a music video? Well, I'm flying out tomorrow to spend, to, I'm going on vacation, yeah, you know, yeah. five and, day rest. And while you're there. And while yeah. I'm there, yeah. because I'm there, 
I'm going to knock it out. I'm going to do a video on Monday morning. What else are you working on? Uh, that's it. I mean, just, oh, I mean, right now at the time, yeah, yeah. um, I'm working on, I'm working on like three different songs Everything. all the time. Yeah. I mean, I'm <laughs> oh, working no, I on, gotcha. I'm always going to work on music until, yeah. until I, until I wake up and say, I can't do this anymore. And I give up. So. Man, I'm really glad you're taking the time to to do this podcast with Absolutely. me. Absolutely, I'm this glad that you're going to be uh, here on uh, January 23rd at Freehouse Brewery with Dan Riley and Scotty Oliver. You know those guys at all? I know Dan Riley. I know him. I don't know Scotty. Do I know Scott Oliver? Uh, you should meet Scotty. He's a good guy. Uh, part of part of my uh, plan of this podcast is not only to get to meet people that I normally don't get to meet and. I also get to make them come to my house, which means I don't even have to drive. But yeah, I get to meet new people and and make new relationships with with local musicians and introduce them to each other. And hopefully this becomes a way that the average Joe out there in Charleston hears original music and they know where to find it. So man, I'm I'm really excited for for January 23rd. You care to leave us with uh, one more tune? Absolutely. Let's do it. All right. Thank you. We met at a time in my life when I wasn't sure If I would find the love that would mean so much more But you took me by surprise Where have you been all my life? Just want to be your best friend and make your day So hard to find the one But then you came my way Feeling your honest love is the only way to live Running away with me is all you have to give I know how hard it seems But it feels so right Give me your honest love Cause I need it tonight Three years have passed It's safe to say we've had our ups and downs But let me promise you I'll always be around I've waited for you all these years And when I'm with you Time disappears Time will always be The way I feel It's you I love And I always will Feeling your honest love is the only way I live Running away with me is all you have to give I know how hard it seems, but it feels so right Give me your honest love, cause I need it tonight I still remember the first day we met What you wore and what you said to me there's not a single day I regret And honestly Feeling your honest love Is the only way I live Running away with me Is all you have to give I know how hard it seems But it feels so right Give me your honest love Cause I need it tonight 
Feeling your honest love is the only way I live. Running away with me is all you have to give. I know how hard it seems, but it feels so right. Give me your honest love, 'cause I need it tonight. 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 Chris Dodson, thank you so much, man. Thank you, everybody. Well, there you have it. Thank you so much for listening to Songs of the Unsung. Be sure to check us out at songsoftheunsung.com. We also have a Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube page. Videos from the last Songwriter Showcase are up on YouTube right now. Love it if you'd go over there, check it out, give it all the likes, shares, subscribes, all those good clicks help us out big time. And be sure to come to Freehouse Brewery on January 23rd to check out the next Songwriter Showcase. We will see you next time. Thank you so much. <laughs>